Hey everybody and welcome back to the discussion phase. This is our weekly board gaming podcast where we take a break from playing the games we love to talk about the games we love. As always, I'm your host Brady. I'm Matthew. And on today's episode, we're talking about board games 2.0, where we patch our favorite games. That's right. We'll also be talking about some board game weekend plays of PAX Premier and Campaign Trail. So as always, stay tuned. And buckle up. So Matthew, this week we managed to get in some games that weren't other than other than a song of ice and fire. That's kind of amazing. And I don't know how I feel about it because while I'm playing other games, did you I'm forget thinking, that, I'm thinking about that there are other games out there? Uh, yes, because <laughs> while we're playing other games, you know what I'm thinking about? A song of ice. A song of ice and fire. Yeah. That's what. That's how you know you're you're with the wrong girl. Is when you're with her and y'all are hanging and you're out, you're at dinner, you're thinking about the other girl. Man. Yeah. And that other girl is a song of ice and fire right now. She still's got my heart. All right. Well, what other games did we we, we, we need to talk about other games where we're going to have to turn turn this into the, the Game of Thrones discussion phase. Yeah. Um, we got in a game we've, we haven't played for a while. It's probably been about a year or more since we've last played it, and that is PAX Premier. Mm-hmm. And so I finally got, we finally got in uh, our Kickstarter. Um, copies and stuff of John Company, uh, the second edition, as well as uh, a new copy of Pax Premier with the metal coins and all that stuff. And so uh, it was my birthday uh, this week. And so for a game it's night... It's your birthday as of this as recording. Of, as of this recording. And yeah. so um, whoever's birthday it is in our group, they always get to choose the game for that that get-together that week or whenever we're getting together. And so I was like, you know what? Let's do it. Let's let's do Pax Premier. Um, now, it, it had been a while uh, since we had played. And so it essentially... For, for most everybody learning the game from scratch again, yeah. and pretty this much. Is like, this is an abstract history-themed game. Is that right? Yeah. And yeah. The, and it's... Um, I I wouldn't say it is more complicated in rule sets than some of other co-worldly games like Root, um, but the, the, the thought of... The idea of what I'm doing and how I do it is a little more abstract. Um, I think the totality of rules and all the different factions of Root is greater... Um, but, but it's, I feel like it's a little bit more streamlined and root like, the, okay, this is what you just need to do. And here's some different ways to do it. And, and it packs from here. It's much more open. So this is, uh, a PAX game. And whenever I say a PAX game, you all roll your, roll your eyes and say, what does that mean? Um, but the thing that I really, I still don't know what it means. <laughs> I think for what really distinguishes this is the flowing card market that, um, decides kind of your play style and what you're able to do and win, as well as we are not the factions on the map, we are interacting with them, and other people can. Yeah. So the main premise of this is, I think we're in, and David's gonna text me after he listens to this and yeah, say yeah, I wasn't yeah. correct, but essentially we are in Afghan in Afghanistan in the 1800s, um, and this is really historically kind of the the culture of Afghanistan was really on the rise. Like you looking back at, at these pick at the artwork in this game and stuff, it's like it looked very very different from where the country is today, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever your opinions may be on that, um, regardless, culturally, you could tell that the the country and the, the culture and stuff were thriving mm-hmm. uh, just with their art and all the different things that were going on. Um, but at that time, there was the British and the Russians and then the Afghan powers and stuff were all kind of vying back and forth and there's a lot of political and resource, yeah. all this kind of stuff going on. When there's some real as like at just like your local houses and like, tribes tribes or, or houses or you could think of like denizens or your 
your townships, right? Um, like different states within a larger country. Yeah. Um, and our focus as the heads of our state is to help protect and promote our own well-being using By kind of jumping on board with whatever more or less suits you at the yeah, time. It's it's really kind of Game of Thrones esque, right? Yeah, your yeah. your your goal is survival. Pax really is very Game of Thrones. Yeah, your goal is survival yeah. and to win and to do so you need to align with who you need to align with at the right time and be and know yeah. when you need to jump ship. It's get on the ship when it's going in the right direction, get off of it when it starts sinking. Yeah. And this was an interesting game because I think it may have been either Jacob's first time or he. Jacob had, had played it at least once before. Okay. John had not. Oh, John had not. Okay. You've you've played it. I think that was your third time. Third or fourth, maybe. Yeah, and the thing is, you've won our last two games. Yeah. Uh, interesting enough, um, but essentially, what you do on your turn, you get two actions. Your main actions are either buying a car from this flowing market, which I love the flowing market. You know, if I buy something, it'll be cheaper for my opponent. Do I, is it worth spending money? Not only, not only will it be cheaper, but you are giving them more money because like to, in order to buy something, it's sort of like, um, like century spice road, where if you buy something, you put a, a, a coin or a gem on or the whatever. cheaper cards. Yeah. On the cheaper cards. And the, and the money economy in this mark is, is very tight because the only money for the most part that's in the game is what everyone starts with. There are a couple cards that allow you to loan, a couple coins get into the market, but every time you spend money for anything in the game, it goes onto that market on top of yeah, cards. And so, right. and it, I was hoarding money for the longest. And that in this game, hoarding money is is, power. is, is, is super powerful because yeah, yeah. you you have so much ability. Uh, and I explain here in a second to do things in the game. But the main premise: you're buying a card. That card uh, goes to your hand. Second action is you can play a card from your hand into your kind of. Um, Tableau. Tableau, or they call it your your court, which essentially yeah. I kind of almost this game could almost be rethemed for like a mafia gangster uh type of uh, of theme. Because you essentially this is my group of people. Your posse. Uh, my posse. And and they give me special little actions on them. They also determine where my influence goes on the main board um for there. And they they all of them for the most part have this pull from the same actions. There's movement actions, battle actions, kind of spy actions um mm. but your main how you score points is at uh, several different times in the game these dominance cards which are tiered so it's kind of a timed mechanism in the deck will come out into the market and essentially when a dominance card comes out either when it's either purchase so this is where hoarding money uh because the most expensive cards when they first come out are five coins and so if you are in an advantageous spot to score the most points you can buy that dominance card and trigger it right away yep. or it will get triggered if it goes to the end of the market and no one picks it up but essentially what you do is you look at the board and you look at which of the three factions, the British, the Russians, or Afghan, have mo more of their global influence pieces on, on, on the board, either through roads or as armies. Um, and yep. then whoever is at least in the lead by four, then you look, okay, of the, all the players. So that faction wins. You look at who is, let's say it's, it's the Russians. Yeah. And so Russian is considered dominant because mm -hmm. that one faction has a big enough yep. lead over the other ones. Then you look at the players who have aligned themselves with. At that time. Right. And who's greased the most palms at yep. that point. And then they will score five, three, or one points for first, second, and third place yep. um, in that faction. And then since it was successful, it kind of does a reset of the board and then you keep playing. Mm -hmm. Um or and this was a this was a, an interesting game because Jacob and I started out as British. You started out, I think, as Afghan. And yep. 
John started out as Russia. Russian. And then I actually, at one point, jumped ship and say, John, I'm going to join the Russians and we're going to kind of fight back and forth. Um, because the but thing Jacob and I came out swinging hard yeah. and quickly dominated the board with the Brits. Yeah, but when the when the Dominus checks came out, I triggered them uh, in a time where you all didn't necessarily have a four influence lead yes. uh, with the British. And so what happens then is something called an unsuccessful Dominus check, which means you don't look at first, second, or third place in one faction. You look at everyone at the table, and each every each player has these kind of influence cylinders. They represent essentially the the people you have in your court and the people on, yeah. that you are on the your board reach in the essentially in the, yeah, your yeah. personal reach in the game and say so like who has their hand in the most Pops. jars of honey yeah, essentially yeah. and then you score first or second place off of those and so i knew that i wasn't going to score anything from a successful dominance because i was on the outside so i was like you know what i need to score this first because i'm kind of like little finger i'm not really out and ahead but i have my hand in enough little things that I can score based off of that. And so it's really interesting because not everyone can be on the same side or you're going to be coming in last getting no points. In a four-player game, you're either getting no points or one point. And you'll never catch up to the people scoring five or three for first or second uh, because the win condition is either whoever has the most points at the end of the, the last dominance check or if any one person has at least four more points than someone else. Like yeah. So if you're winning, automatically it automatically over. And that creates so much tension uh, because I think the way the points are scaled between a successful and dominance, a successful dominance and unsuccessful dominance is that like at the end of the game, I was in the lead. I had five points and then Jacob had three. Uh, John had one and you had zero. And every single one of us, based on how the um, the points would work, either from a successful or an unsuccessful dominance check, every one of us had a potential viable path for victory. Um, you and Jacob were with the British late in the game, and y'all were clearly way out ahead. Uh, John jumped in with you all. but well, he, we were way ahead sort of in board presence, but I was in last place. You were in last place point. points, but at that time, I you, had, were, like, you set were myself up. You were well. most influential with with the with the British who were going to win the influence, the, the dominance check. Yep. And you in first place would get five points, which would tie you with me but you had some different cards that would allow you to break tiebreaker. So you had a chance for winning, even though you mm -hmm. had zero points, yeah. which which kept the tension great. My only hope was I was trying to trigger an unsuccessful dominance check, yeah. which would just push me just ahead because I wouldn't score more points than other people, but the people closest to me wouldn't score enough points. And that's, so that's what's great. Sometimes you don't even want to score points. You just want certain people not score yeah. more points. And and then John, you know, he only had one point in the game, but he still had a path to victory because when he joined the British with you all, he had more actually influence points with the British at one point mm -hmm. um, before y'all kind of did some shenanigans with him and did some spy stuff. And so I love the constant throughout tension. It played really relatively quick. It was about a 90 minute game and that's for yeah. a learning and reteach. I mean, you could easily play yeah, a I 40 think minute, uh, four player game in an one hour. One of my or favorite over. parts about it is that it can be so quick. I mean, I do love the rule that if somebody gets four points ahead, the game is just over um, and that can happen, like, it could happen very fast. And for familiarity with the timing, because the, the deck is tiered. Um, and so there's, you know, can there can be anywhere between 9 to 18 cards separating two dominance checks uh, for it. And if ever two dominance checks are ever in the market at the same time, it automatically triggers that phase. And so at one point, that happened, and I it triggered an unsuccessful one, and I was able to score some points off of that. Uh, so knowing that timing and knowing when things can happen, 
puts so much influence on the when when you do certain things and what you do. Um, because you all were so dominant with the British at the end of the game that you all had all of your influence tokens on the board. And you all were needing to do more things like move around and try to get to my pieces with Russia to attack me and remove because you can attack your the Russians can attack you can influence them to attack the Brit uh, the British and vice versa removing some of their tokens and you all were trying to get to me but you had all your pieces out and you couldn't build any more roads yeah, yeah. it's like with Alexander the Great there was no more lands to conquer and so you cried and so I was able to start doing things and you all had gotten too big too quick and you hadn't thought about that and so there was like that tension in it as well mm -hmm. um, this is definitely a game that rewards repeat plays and not necessarily for Catching little rules is important, but understanding what to do and when makes so much a difference because at the end of the game, you had so much power and you had a court size of like six or seven people yeah. in your court. And so I could kind of... You could influence the board a lot. whatever I wanted, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and knowing... And and there's actions in the game to where you can kind of keep pressure on other players to where they don't get that strong because mm -hmm. at the end of the game, there was... There, you were essentially so strong that even me trying to increase uh, Russia's influence on the board... You were just batting it down mm -hmm. with your just, free actions. With my free, just smacking that down. Yeah. Crushing rebellions all over the so place. I love it. I know I throw this term around a lot, sandbox game, and you all laugh at me all the time. Yeah, but to me, the, but to me, for whatever reason, it just, I, that it, I, I identify with this as a sandbox because I feel free. This game feels very fluid. Like yeah. at any moment, you anything, can build could, a sandcastle. anything could happen, not in a random sense, but in a, a, a chance for possibilities. I feel like you're never, unless just things go really, really sour and people aren't playing like they need to, things can get out of hand and you just don't stand a chance. But I feel like there's always a chance and always a possibility for you to negotiate, for you to switch alliances, for you to do some shenanigans um, to keep you in the game. And to me, it makes me excited about the game because there's no like skill cap in this game because every game is different. How the I mean, we only played with a, a quarter or a third of the deck in our game. As well, and yeah, so how that deck comes I out. Guess so, but the deck, like, to me, we had a major debate over this. But like, the cards are just a an assortment of potential actions. Like, they, well, on the bottom, not, yes, yeah. But uh, but really some of them have special much. actions. But the big thing is, uh, what regions do they align with? And so there's not a, always an equal distribution of the regions on the map. That those cards because normally when you when you yeah. play a card you get to put out your pieces or your factions pieces in the region that card is aligned with um and there's not always an equal distribution of those and so each game the focus on the map and the board can be different because there's some really cool mechanics to where if you have the most influence in a region on the map you essentially become like the 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 overlord or kind of like the the dawn yeah, so yeah, to yeah. speak, in a gangster. So essentially, for anyone to play cards of that region, they got to pay you. you. They they have to pay you a bribe if you choose to make them, or you can negotiate and not. So that's where I love a lot of the things in the game. You can kind of use that to protect yourself a little bit too. Um, but to me, it feels very dynamic, and the replayability of this game is infinite, just because of the, how the game comes out, how you choose your alliances, um, how you negotiate that, how you build your tableau. Um, so I, I mean, this game won all kinds of rewards, awards when it came out several years ago and rightfully so. I think it's fantastic. It's definitely in my top 20, possibly even 15 games. Um, yeah. it, I, I'm not going to lie. I don't necessarily like love the game, but I think it, if the table was more familiar with how it played and it played a lot quicker, then I think I could start to 
I mean, I, I, like I very re- realistically see the four of us. I know we may tend to play faster than other people, so they may be like, how on earth could you play this in six? But I really think the four of us could play this game in an hour. Yeah. I, very I realistically, because, yeah. I mean, it's pretty snappy um, with the turn structures. And I think with the more familiarity, like different little metas and different little strategies can arise, and then you're trying to counter what you think your opponents will do. And it's all about putting pressure and leaning on people and aligning yourselves. Yeah. And, well, I, you know, I love, I always say the game is above the table. And yeah. that's where that's where this game lives. Well, speaking of corrupt officials and greasing palms and all that, we also got in Campaign Trail. Campaign for Trail. First, for the first time. And this could, I think there were some logistical issues with this game. Um, as far as the Kickstarter or? No, as far as the gameplay. And, okay. Uh, and you'll you'll probably remember why here in a second, but, um, but this, I think could loosely be, um, described as 1960, the making of a president, but multiplayer and lighter uh, and lighter. Um, and like, you know, less, and, and which is a less lighter like event cardy type of things and yeah. more of just like action cards, which I consider the 1960 making a president even a lighter version of twilight struggle. Yeah. Yeah. And we consider twilight struggle, a worse version of Watergate. <laughs> no, there's no we get them. <laughs> you have a mouse in your pocket. All right. All right. Um, all right. So 1960 making a president real quick. So first, campaign campaign trail. Yeah. Sorry. These games are essentially up. in theme and essence. What you're doing are very similar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in, in campaign trail, it's more modernized and more, um, like generic, I guess you're not playing as like Nixon and Kennedy. You're yeah. It's not as, like, historical. There are you, there are themes from like popular type of candidates, but there is no yeah, yeah, there's yeah. no direct real life. So you have like candidate types, like the the dirty candidate or the the, the populist envi- the or popul- the economist. Yeah, the the environmental candidate, and so they kind of have like different powers, um, different unique powers. Um, now I think my logistical issue that I was talking about in 1960, and you mentioned this. Whenever you try to like take back a state, and in both of these games, you essentially are trying to win the most. Yeah. Electoral it's it's an area states. control game, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Um, you whenever you like take back like territory, essentially, you are you take off their influence and kind of replace your own. In this game, you're just piling on um, yeah. over and over again. And well, especially so, in a multiplayer when there's more than three in a two player game. It, it it simulates that tug of war mm-hmm. or back and forth. And so it's very, it's the board is a lot cleaner. Yeah. And so we just kept, you know, so you're essentially adding like voters, which are, you know, more or less like units that you're putting in different states to win the state. Um, but you just, you would have to, you know, especially if you get in a big battle over a state, you're just adding more and more pieces. And you, I, I find, I found myself just constantly having to make change, quote unquote, with yeah. my my voters or because you have a one a three and, and a, a five. five and i was just constantly swapping those out with pieces on the board um and the other thing the other interesting well, also too those pieces game, weren't double-sided for they're different sizes but they're not very distinct they're not easily when you glance at them yeah, can tell yeah, the small medium from large and but they do have a little little screen print on one side that shows one star two star or five. Oh, sorry, one or three or five, yeah. but they're double-sided, and most of these pieces are laying down on their side. Yeah, yeah. And so you're constantly having to f- a fiddle around to see what the actual influence point in these states are. 
Yeah, okay, so the other thing that is unique to this game that 1960 doesn't have, that was just a little finicky, but I'm going to forgive it because it's just awesome, and that is the... Are you about to say the debates? No, 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 the Electoral College track, where you can, like, live see where, um, where you are in, you know, like, so if I win California... I basically take the California piece and slot it into my so, score track, essentially. Yeah, there's three tracks that every state essentially has a rectangular piece. And they're all the same width, uh, but the length of them... Is different uh, is according to how, how many, many votes. votes that they would give you. Yeah. And so you can see kind of live, you know, how many points you have based on the states you win. So yeah, on, on a fluid sliding so, scale. Yeah. yeah. And so you do have to, you know, if I win a state, I have to say... Hey, take this from Matthew and put it on my track. And, and Jacob was the poor soul who was sitting right beside it, so he was doing that all game. Do, yeah, doing that all game. But it is fun where you can kind of look and just very quickly see, oh, Matthew's winning. Well, I will say title. for it, it does. I do think it's a little little finicky with it, but it does. Uh, one thing well is at certain points, you know, you can't win every state, but um, – knowing, you know what, I need to take a certain value state. Let's yeah. say you're ahead, but I was like, man, I, which state do I take to make a difference, yeah. right? You can't just take like any state. You yeah, to you need know. to make a, you need to have a state that is big enough where he loses that and then I gain it to make a swing difference. It did help visualize that. Yeah. Um, so I wish I think, it was, but it also targeted people like you knew at all times who was winning. Yeah, that's true. Um, And it was pretty like decisive and there is a, there's a bunch of modules to th- that came kind of in this game. One of them is in-game scoring, which we need to figure out. That that would add, you know, just a little bit of mystery instead of going like, okay, the game's over, so-and-so wins because he's got the most votes, um, making it a little anticlimactic. But it was extremely tight at the end. I, like, barely snuck out Florida underneath Matthew, which was, like, a very big like, swing what, state. What, a 29 electoral vote? Yeah, something like that. It was a huge so, swing. Yeah. Um. And so I think I ended up beating Matthew by like two votes, which is, yeah. you know, so that's the main, a pretty tight. So the main mechanics of how the game works campaign. is that everyone has a hand of four, five. four or five cards. Yeah, five you cards. pull from, you pull from a, a global, uh, you know, a universal deck that everyone can pull from. And, and there are, action cards. yeah, there are five main actions in the game, five or six main actions. And each card has four of those possible actions on the card and they're different values. Um, so different actions is you can do a you know a campaign uh, to get more money, and the actions where you can spend that money is that you can advertise. And so certain states are aligned with uh, issues such as uh, gun rights, education, housing, environmental, fuel, war, and so you can all that, the popular all American the popular topics. stuff. Whenever you go to dinner in America, you bring these topics up specifically. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so you can kind of do advertisements with and pay for that to to spread out more on the board. Or you can do more of like these rally. I can't exactly remember. It may be an actual campaign action um, where there's like a group of four or five states and you pay, what is a hundred? 60,000 or 60 60 million. million. You pay a 60 million or so and you get... Um, six voters or so and you get distribute those. It's a little more targeted. In the targeted, you know, um, connecting states for it. Um, And then another action is movement. Because um, a lot of these actions are depend outside of advertising, which is which is an action where you can kind of have reach even in other parts of the country where you're not. You want to move your candidate around the board. 
uh, for that. And then there's these kind of special uh, actions these cards can have, which are kind of like a trick or campaign tactics yeah, yeah. on them. So pretty, it's pretty straightforward what I you're doing. I felt it gave, like, it gave me, you like, a decent amount of flexibility to be able to influence the board. With the advertising. you had to kind of, like, make it happen. The most like powerful it. actions did tend to be where your candidate were. Yeah. But it did, the advertisement, I did appreciate it. It did give you some flexibility yeah. of doing a little influence in other places. Um, and so that concept, it really at its core, it's an area control game with different regions being worth different victory points. And at its core, that's what this game is. So that automatically appeals to us. We really enjoy, um, that genre of gaming, but we also, at least for us, we enjoy historical slash political interesting themes. To me, this is this, some people may think, oh, this is such a drag. Uh, but I know like your mother-in-law, she saw the theme and she's like, Tell me, tell me yeah, no more. Geez. Let's play it. And so, for some people, they'll really looks love very this thing. Colorful, like the you know the pieces. I got, I think I got some sort of deluxe copy, but the pieces are um, like unique. The, like they're like donkeys and elephants and a hedgehog. I think for the libertarian, which I don't, I don't know if that's a thing, but it's kind of fun. Probably, yeah. Uh, but but the question is, okay, so what does this game do, do different versus like 1960 or even in the same vein when Twilight Struggle? Or Watergate, and so I think the two, the two or three things that separate this game, and you will kind of see what we think of how well that actually plays out is is debates, uh, special player powers, right? I think those are two. Matthew is very bitter about the player powers. The debates, the special player powers, um, and then what was the third one? Would you say? I mean, I mean, I think the action selection thing is is. Yep. unique with it uh you, you know you always feel like you have options yep. so i the, those are three different kind of key uh distinguishers i think the the card action selection i think that was great i thought that was yeah. it, it really kind of allow you to plan ahead look at okay i have these three cards if i play them in this order and move across the country in this yeah, way yeah. it allowed you to do some planning that wasn't like slowing down the game but there were times where the game slowed down to a stop uh, because your action had you putting Pieces you know, uh, you yeah, know yeah. potentially up to like 10 to 12 influence across the entire continental U.S. But the issue was late game is, okay, I need to put one influence point, but all my one influence point markers are all gone yeah, from yeah, my yeah. pools and stuff like that. So you, every state you're placing, you're having to create change, but then you're having to create change for change because I got to turn my threes into a five so I can get these ones from Alaska so I can turn these into threes from Florida so yeah, I can yeah, put yeah. ones in Illinois. <laughs> and, and it that, wasn't and, as bad because I was doing that the whole time. Like the whole time I was just making change. So it wasn't as big of a deal. But and yeah. when you talk about upkeep and finicky, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was completely distracting from gameplay. And I was like, why do we have all these fives out here? It's like, give me one, two, and threes. Yeah. I think that the, the denomination jump was too good big on that so that was one little down uh downside did you have any issues no I, I i agree i i think i was having to constantly make change that was distracting and then you know some of the actions are like super quick i i like play this and fundraise I get 80, action 80 million yeah that's Boom. what it's called fundraise. turns over but then you go and you play like this advertising action then you get to put you know, a bunch of influence in very specific states. And so that could take a good bit longer. And so you kind of just have to, and it was our first play, but you kind of just have to be on it and kind of, you know, you definitely have to think ahead. Um, with yeah. Those. And then, so, and um, the last other thing I think I'll mention um, with that part is I don't think there was an issue with knowing where the states were. To me, there wasn't, at least for some people I could say there probably was, 
but we're constantly having to go back and check, okay, how much influence does this person have versus that person have? And so sometimes we're like, I need to hold off my turn because I don't know what action I need to take because I don't know which states I'm one point down in versus three points down in. Mm-hmm. And obviously I, you're much better off maybe focus on the states where you're only down one point, but then you have to kind of, you have to reassess the board a lot versus like in a two player game, you glance at the board, you know exactly how far or down you are like in 1960 because it's a tug of war and there's only one person's pieces there. Yeah. yeah so that, that was one thing. And so the other area is the debates. Can you kind of explain how that works in this game? Yeah. So the debates are another thing you can use your card for. And so it, the and there game, were two, right? Yeah, there were two. So it kind of goes like, you know, area control phase, debate phase, area control phase, debate phase, and then a last area control phase. So it yeah. kind of alternates. Um, and really the debate is you put down issues. So again, like we said, like gun rights, um, gender equality, all the fun stuff. Um, and you, those action cards have the, like a, a slew of those issues on there. And so you can save some, um, to play during the debate. Um, the rules are kind of finicky here, and I'll I'll admit that. Um, but essentially, you play cards, and then if I, I play a card with those issues on it, I pull those to my side. This is very Watergate esque. Yes, like. yeah, it is very like the Watergate uh, track over there. So I pull those to my side. But if Matthew kind of plays counter cards, he can pull them closer to his side or whatever. Um, the issue it, with this, though, is that. There's a lot of issues. There's a lot of <laughs> well, we got issues. Sorry, and there's not a few. lot of there's a lot of Different issue topics. Issue. There's, a, lot of there's issue. a total of twelve at least in the game. Um, each de- debate phase comes with it with a group of at least six. Six. But yeah. the thing is, it's not like okay, these are the six <laughs> yeah, the, that, then, we're, that we're debating. Yeah, and the game comes real, with these yeah. randomizer cards where every game you have two separate groups of six. And so like, okay, these are the six issues that we're focusing on at the beginning of the game. And these are the other six at the end. You think, oh, okay, I have to specifically plan for these. Not exactly because you can, you can do it. just a, like willy nilly throw in. They have a mechanic called a rabbit trail, which I, it makes sense, right? Thematically about debates, but essentially if you play a card that also includes a non-included topic, you essentially just get to add the topic into yeah, the yeah. to the poll and then move it however you want. So that was that so was really a didn't matter. Go- it was really kind of goofy. You, that, I think that was you something. really yeah. You just wanted to play the cards that had the most yeah, yeah. issues on them. And so that that's probably something we'll end up house ruling because it was just so. Silly. I feel like it would make so much better tension if those were hard set because it actually would make you think about which cards do I need to keep into the bait. Really, I don't feel like any of us were really thinking too hard about which yeah, cards yeah. I took into the debate. And but essentially, if if you win a certain topic, then you get to put like extra influence in states that really care aligned about with that, that, which I think topic. was cool. But and, I felt, and it makes it's so thematic; it makes a lot of sense, and they can be worth a lot depending on how far it was in your favor. Because because yeah, you yeah. can pull an issue up to one, two, three, or I think even maybe four points in your favor. But and what that means is that if you, points in every state that aligned with it. Yeah. The, the other issue with that is that again, there are 12 different issues and there are 50 states. Some oh, issues yeah, had yeah. one state, some issues had six or seven states. 
and you're literally, they literally give you a reference book for each player mm-hmm. to look through every single one of these because these yeah. issues have different shapes so that's and kind symbols of like on them. A phase in itself where it's like, oh, we get done with the debate now. Everyone has to put their influence out, and that takes about like well, you don't five to 10 even minutes. during the debate. You're like, which issue do I play a card for? Then you open your book. Okay, this triangle with the with the house on it. Okay, what states? Because intuitively, outside of a couple big issues like gun rights in Texas, uh, environmental stuff, California, outside of those two things. There isn't really intuitive. Okay, this state is aligned with this issue. Yeah, There's yeah. really not outside I mean, of I that. Think they so you're constantly make looking. Thematic sense, but it's not like it's not yeah. quick, and you're having yeah, to look. Yeah, yeah. And so you're constantly looking. Okay, before I even play a card to have an influence, which one do I want? Or and at some point you're just like, you know what, just move them my way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I think house ruling it to where these are our randomly. These are our first six issues. And I think that would add a lot of a more tension to it. So, you know, we just got through campaign trail, and it could probably use... Well, the last part is that, that we're going to go into was the asymmetrical player abilities. Oh, well, so I... I Well, the one thing I think is cool about them is that they don't just give you, a like, a boon, a special ability. They also give you a negative. So a they'll, negative. Be like, they'll be like, oh, you get an advantage here, but maybe this action costs you a little bit more or it's weaker, you know, or yeah. some sort of negative, which I think is kind of fun. Like, I think these abilities, after you play the game once and you're looking through these, are woefully imbalanced <laughs> because there are some boons I, that are great all game. But the thing is, some people have a negative that you can't ignore. That's a negative with you for every single thing you do versus some negatives which can be ignored if you just ignore certain actions throughout the game. Yeah. Um, and, and essentially what really brought this out is um, is Jacob. He didn't do anything wrong. He just picked this, and it's a good one to pick, and I probably would have if I saw it as well. He essentially um, broke ties everywhere. Unless we were reading it wrong, we may go back and look at it, but essentially every state where he was tying, he broke ties, which on itself is like, oh, that's interesting. That's cool. But when you really think about how that works mathematically, essentially that in theory could give him 50 free elect, uh, 50 free voters across the game which is insanely huge. When you're paying 10 millions per voter when you when you campaign, that's equivalent. Obviously this is maximized, but in theory he could potentially get up to 500 million dollars worth of a bonus buff in the game. Because here's how it essentially works. Well, in I a, think it's weaker the more players you have because you're probably tying less. Like in a two-player game, possibly you're probably tying. Yeah. But essentially how it works in a tie, you have two you have two voters in there. I have two voters, but if I break ties, I essentially, in theory, have three. Essentially yep. how that works in theory. So every state he put his influence in, he automatically had a passive plus one bump. Yeah, yeah. And that could be up to 50. And yeah. if and at, and at minimum, each voter is worth 10 or possibly more. So at the very minimum, at maximized, he could have half a billion dollars worth of a, a boon to his whole campaign. And the only negative was... Advertising costs a little bit more, but you can just ignore advertising, just campaign and do other stuff everywhere. Well, I mean, or it, you don't have to do is, advertising as much. Let's just say, yeah, that. yeah. But it it it's difficult to ignore advertising. I think you, oh, the tiebreaker I, is I think just you found crazy. greater issue with this because he didn't end up winning. I ended well, up I went after him the entire game though. Yeah, because but, I didn't realize how powerful that was, and I went after him the entire game. Everywhere he went, I was going after him. Yeah. Um, just because it was so good, especially at the end of the game, because everyone gets one final turn, and essentially you can play a card that could allow you to advertise. And if you know you break ties everywhere, 
it's very easy to target places and just boop. I just put one more. We're tied. I automatically win. Yeah. And so it's very powerful for in game as well. I get that, but we. This is where I'm just gonna flat out disagree with you. We played. This was the first. This first game. But I Matthew. It just rubbed me the wrong. Looks, looks at his special ability card that he chose out of like three other ability but cards. I didn't have any like, context for it. This is complete it. trash. Jacob's is way better. Mine was like okay, I guess. Yeah. Uh, well, mine but, was essentially I at during the debate phase after everyone had played, I can move three issues, one space each, which could be good or it may not be that much depending on how far they had spread. Like yeah. in a two-player game, it's probably be way less helpful because in a two-player game, they're probably at more distance in between. Uh, but then my negative, I got one less card in hand the entire game, <laughs> which what makes it worse is because you played these, these ongoing effect cards, which means during the debates, I got to play two less cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so well, I, was, I did I, not only was you. not only was I handicapped just from my negative part of my special ability, then you playing those just essentially negated any bonus I had and even made it worse. <laughs> and so I was just like playing playing with both my hands tied behind All my right. back. All right. So, you know, we'll go. Uh, but I really our... I really want to see the game in 2v2, which you can play. Yeah, and so with 2v2 you you play as a president and a vice president, which is interesting and I'm I am looking forward to playing that as well. But you may be thinking that this game is in need of a balance patch. Just a wee one. Just a wee one, yeah. Just a little little patch here, a little patch there. And that's what our main topic is about. We're doing board game 2.0s. Yeah. Where we're talking about, you know, a lot of... Everybody's played video games. Everybody's... We've played... We've played uh, Super Smash Brothers, League of Legends, you know, all those other video yeah, games. Yeah, like game I just get, started playing uh, Cyberpunk 2077 by CD Projekt Red. I've waited almost two game. years to play this game because of how many patches they've had to put to the game. Okay, well, that's a single-player game. We're it's not, a single-player game. Um, but we've really noticed this. We promise we're not going to go into deep in-depth on this, but with the Song of Ice and Fire, um, this is my really first uh, experience of board games having, like, live patches. service patches, not only with content, but actually with, like, rules, like, actually yeah. changing out cards in-game. Now, you've mm -hmm. experienced this a lot more in... X-Wing, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, X-Wing. And so you know, we'll briefly mention it again. So like with A Song of Ice and Fire, you know, we you buy a box and those units or whatever have been deemed overpowered or underpowered in the game. And the, the card, the components that you get are no longer viable, at least in like, you know, sort of competitive play and so, you know, you're buying a box and the card that comes with, you might as well throw in the trash can because it is no longer good. Yeah. And they have, and they sell update packs. Yeah. So what Simon has done is they have provided these update packs and, and I've seen this a little bit in X-Wing too is, yeah, you just buy this like 2022 update pack and it comes with, you know, I think it's like 15 bucks or 20 bucks. So it comes with all new cards and so that's kind of their way of solving this. And we kind of just want to unpack that a little bit and talk about yeah. but it, what's other I mean, games that have done this and yeah. maybe what's the best way we see this happen. Yeah. Well, just in general, you know, overarching thoughts on it. I, I like the fact because there's a lot of this, these, some of these games you could really kind of get burnt out on. And I even went back and watched some old videos and people reviewing the game and they said, you know, we, the way the balances in the game were, it just wasn't fun. Like, they've made changes not only to how the factions work, but just basic 
rule set in the game yeah, yeah. where then they made these 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 season updates um and rebalances to the game and it, people have gotten back into it yeah, yeah so i think that is really important for really com- like more competitive type games uh that makes a huge difference because if, if you can't compete and win it's not as much fun but on the downside it's like okay i don't know it's only a do, barrier to entry for barrier sure. to entry but not only do i have to know what my abilities or factions have been updated but then i also have to make sure i'm keeping up with yours yeah because um, we went and played at a local game store just com- some kind of like just free form play with some of the people in the tournaments um but he was t- talking about a rule with controlling objectives like no, they they changed that in the updates where your commander doesn't score extra points for stuff, and he didn't realize that. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, it does kind of do both both parties know how it's played. Do those changes affect their play style or their strategies? And so, I can't see that as a frustration. Or your well, thankfully, you know, with card sleeves, you can print out little mm-hmm. update text for your cards, like you have, and just tape them to and put them in your sleeves. So that's that's but that's I think that's probably one of the bigger kind of cons yeah. and stuff like and this so is everyone is, on the same page yeah it's it is a barrier to entry and it, it does make the game harder to get into because like when i and even the update pack like the latest update pack is is not updated enough which they've is done another kind of another half season update um and so it's like if you're gonna do this i just want you to be like consistent about it so it's like yeah. are you gonna release an actual product well like release it often or yeah. or are you going to just make it print and play well then just you know release those often well but thankfully like they they is doing this weird in between thing yeah. doing both and it's well like it, it is weird because thankfully they do release all the the digital files so you can print them it's all updated on their official app so when you play you can have everyone can reference it and so it's great for that um but i've even noticed like i've bought identical units and boxes and i could tell the between those two boxes the older new rules and then the newer updated yeah, yeah, stats yeah. on those two boxes. So they do try to, even with the core like unit factions, unit boxes that you buy to update them. But I mean, the thing is some places are holding on to inventory for a couple of years. Yeah. So you don't know what you're buying. And they like, you know, you're buying the unit. You just may have to update the cards yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you get which, that. It's the same sweet, sweet plastic. They don't update the plastic. Oh no, the plastics is good. Um, yeah. So what are some games that you think, uh, first one we go, I think we can talk about some games, other board games that have done this in some way or form. Yeah. Uh, they think may have and the worked. biggest criminal of all is tapestry. tapestry. <laughs> wow. <laughs> now I will say, you know, you're complaining about, uh, about, um, campaign trail, but tapestry, you can just look at those abilities and be like, this one is way better than this one. And like, we haven't even played know. the game as much as the, as designers and plays testers yeah. should. And so it just boggles the mind how this happened. Yes. And, and, you know, so Jamie has released like a very, Jamie Segmeyer has released like a very official looking balance system, but like his idea of a, f- like a, a balance patches or resource changes, I think or resource changes or this. Um, if you start with this, you just start with 20 extra points and it's like, which is how do you gauge that? Yeah. And it's like, that's a, that's a lot of points even in tapestry. And it's like, man, like you didn't play test this game enough to to like determine that something was twenty points better. That is crazy. Well, well, honestly, I would say some of those factions get way more than that because in, in tapestry you can score four hundred points. So that's like a that's a five percent yeah, little yeah. adjustment, which is nothing. And some of the factions, all they get most honestly, most of them get like you know you get one extra resource because your faction isn't really good. And yeah, we're yeah. and we're all scratching our heads like no, that's. 
that's not the issue. It's because they have one less resource or one fewer, one more yeah. resource. It's it's their core actions. So with tapestry, tapestry really just needed to be released with eight factions at the most, and uh, instead it was released with like sixteen, I think. Yeah. Which was, and then the two expansions have added like eight more each, and they're just wildly. Unknown. Did they include? Because I know you bought at least like the plots and ploys expansion. They actually because I know you could print out the updated errata. Um, for these factions, did you actually did it actually come with an official hard copy in the in the expansion? I don't think so because <sighs> yeah, I, I feel like it should. T- I think it'd be too have. expensive because the it's one piece of paper. Yeah, but it's very nice paper. Like you know, you know, easy sandpaper. Uh, it's very nice paper. Um, and it's like they're releasing more, so it's like who knows when they're they're gonna need another update or whatever. Um, yeah. okay, so yeah, tapestry is like the main the main component here or or um, center here, I guess, whatever. Yep. Well, um, well, one I had on my list, and this wasn't necessarily a negative, but one that kind of had a similar similar thing, and that's with Terra Mystica. Yep. Now, with uh, Terra Mystica, they haven't changed how the factions played, which some people think, you know, same way in Tapestry, should they have gone back and created an updated factions? But what they did, which I think helps with continuity, is they have rebalanced the map, and then they did add in certain factions, start with some extra points. Um, but it but they're not like huge, crazy differences for the most part. And it's all included in the in like the rule books that you get now. And so they essentially rebalance the map because a lot of the abilities in Terra Mystica that help you or not is how adjacent are your regions to each other yeah. when terraforming it. For so and for them it was Terra easier Mystica, to change the board. Terra Mystica, the um the Factions, I mean, I I just couldn't even begin trying to balance all of those factions against each other because that game is so deep, and the asymmetric um, factions are very asymmetric. Yeah. So what they part. what they did is they essentially took data from people logging plays when the game very very first edition came out, however many hundreds or thousands of plays, and they said okay. You know, all it, it game isn't fun if every faction is is one hundred percent equally powerful in all ways, right? Some variations is what keeps interest in the game and what you do and when or why people try to draft certain factions. But you say within a certain percentage, we want our our faction win rates to be within a certain percentage. And they looked at the win rates for factions as well as the degree to which they were win, winning. Some something kind of like an Elo score in some other games. And then they balanced it based on... Does ELO stand for anything? If you give me a second to look it up, I will tell you. <laughs> you, you said that like it, like that's a universal term. Well, I know I what it is, but I don't know like... I, I know what ELO is. It's like a ranking system. Uh, it's like at a... Is it universal? Like I don't... Let me, let me verify. Okay, well, I'll keep talking. Um, yeah, and, and you know, you're talking about drafting factions. Okay, here, I got it. So this is based from chess. And so an ELO rating is a method for calculating the relative skill levels of players in zero-sum games such as, as such as chess. And so I think it's a way of rating, like in A Song of Ice and Fire, if you play a what's considered a, a worser-ranked unit in factions and you win against a higher-ranked uh, unit in faction, that would be worth more than vice versa if you beat yeah, someone. Yeah. And I they do this some a lot of times on like... Um, board game arena they'll have the same things yeah. as well it's like and even like the scythe online uh digital 
like your win, how many like points your your player skill level, your ELO rating is based on the your opponent's skill level and also based on the faction on well, not the faction, may that be a part of it, but the degree to which you won. Yep. So did you just absolutely crush low ranked players or did you just barely beat higher level players? And based on that, that it's how you determine is a win worth more, essentially. I don't know how low your elo can go on Terra Mystica on the, the app, but mine's probably about as low as, as, it goes as low as I goes. have gotten. Well, at a certain my... point with elo system, you start getting pity points. <laughs> yeah. Well, you didn't lose so bad, so we'll give you a couple points. Yeah, yeah. But that's essentially what that means. Sorry for the the sidetrack there. Yeah, and so that's Terra Mystica. We've gotten. I I had Scythe. They came out with like I don't even know which ones they are, but they came out with like banned um, combos between the the faction and mm-hmm. the whatever the industry or what. Yeah, so it was Ru- Rusfiat um, in Saxony. I know. Um, or what's the other? What's the other board called? I don't know what the other board is. Well, there's industrial and maybe in patriotic. Yeah, but what what are those called? Action boards. Is it action board? Yeah. So your yeah. faction board and action board, they have like some band combos there. Um, a couple more that I had. Root received an uh, an update initially. The Woodland Alliance was. Did, and now their player board actually got nerfed. Nerfed, yeah, yeah. They were deemed a little overpowered. Gloomhaven has seen a few updates, mm-hmm. um, and then. Oathsworn, even they, so, they just launched their Kickstarter. I think today, maybe yesterday, um, and they have like an upgrade pack that they're releasing with their second edition. Yeah, to bring the first edition up, which I think is uh, I think it's interesting. Yeah, and one game, and then there's some games are also kind of like live support uh, and service, so like they're continually putting out uh, new uh, content for. Like one example is like Empires of the North. They're constantly putting out new factions and new content, different units from different areas. And so that's another area, like some of the games we're going to put on our kind of list here in a second, where we're talking about games we wish had more of a kind of a living, Fluid, yeah. a living kind of like support system, not only for rules and balances, but maybe content as well. That's not necessarily content that's always like big expansions, but additive things to the game in small ways that could mean you know, bigger new life. And more, yeah, exactly. New life into the game. Um, and so I have one that may, this is be one contra- that you con- want to, so this is a game, what I think would benefit from this kind of active, active kind of, um, I don't want to say parenting, but an active kind of management of our current game state. Uh, cause a lot of these board games, you know, the game came out, it hasn't changed in 20 years and yeah. that's just the game. And some and of these games game. are exactly. And some of those games are absolute gems they're just perfect. Changing them would be a a perversion, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, on the on their uh, on the the legacy of the game. But I think some some of the games here, which I think could be fun from it. And the first one, you'll probably look at me weird, but I'm gonna go with Blood Rage. Okay, this uh this is a game which uh, the core mechanics and these a lot of these games core mechanics awesome, but the 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 dynamic part of the game is all in card play. But you play this card, you play this game into the ground, and you know every card play, you know, some cards are way more powerful than others, and you know which cards, well, this is always getting drafted. We we can sit here and we've talked about before. These are the first three or four cards that are find, always drafted you, in every if round. If you get friggin' sucker, you are a sucker if you don't draft that. Yeah, and so you, you play the game so much, and not that, but you get to the point where, like, can, are there, do you feel like you could create new combos and strategies in Blood Rage that we haven't seen before? That would be viable. 
for competitive. It's um, hard to say I that mean, we would do like that. There's like slight variations on them, but yeah, I but agree. With very you. minimal. And so, definitely what I be. think you can maybe do some rebalancing to some actions like Loki's uh, trickery and stuff like that, where you're stealing rage from other players. It's some, simple. You just don't play with that. So I think there are there are cards that could be balanced. Cost values could be adjusted on some monsters because some monsters don't ever get used, and if yeah. content doesn't get used, there's a reason why. Either when it comes into the game. Because uh, I think even adjusting some combat units and for when they come into the game and what age makes a difference, as well as their cost. Um, new card packs, an updated, like, I would, like, my mind would just be in another dimension if I heard news that there's a new updated card pack yeah, for rebalancing awesome. and, it's like, and it really new just content. just to be a little card pack. Card like packs. It, make it 15 bucks. And yeah, and it, it can be seasons. Like, the like like with Rising Sun, there are, that's what I've been thinking about, there are, there you can choose the play style you want in the game. Do you want more... Uh, diplomacy type game? Do you want a more combat type game? Do you want a more kind of deck uh, engine building type game? Like there are like five different in like not completely not game modes, but there are five slightly different play style focuses you can choose in Rising Sun based on the deck card decks that you choose to include. There's like a core, they're cord cards, but then you choose the other half of the cards. I think something like that in Blood Rage would just breathe so much new life like alternate abilities for monsters or alternate abilities for core core like how do ships work in the game and all it is 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 easily separatable mm -hmm. um card you, packs. again you have the plastic everybody already has the plastic exactly and all you would need is a card that yeah. tells you that something worked differently and, and then what's great about this is that it doesn't steal blood rage away from people who love it just the way they that, that it is. Sometimes these games will come out with, okay, this is like second edition, like with Great Western Trail second edition. It's like, well, the only Great Western Trail ever being made now is, is second edition or third edition, right? No more base Great Western Trails ever being made. But with this system here with Cardex, is like you always have base uh, blood rates to play. All these are is like alternate little focuses of card play and it would just could you just imagine and going back slight tweaks to the balancing yeah or even just creative different ways the monsters like okay we're so used to the, the to the troll playing this way or the fire giant playing this way but what if it played this way now and can you just imagine going back to when you first were discovering how those cards work how much excitement there was and so there'd be so much fun excitement learning it and then it it give more replayability and so i think something like a, like a card service for a game like Blood Rage, which has great core mechanics. It, I mean, it makes me excited talking about it. Yeah. So this is the right. first one that jumped into my mind. I my first one, you ready for it? We've talked about this before, and that is City of the Big Shoulders. Brady, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to start editing your list. You can't put City of the Big Shoulder on every oh, I'm putting it, on every list we do. Just get ready for Blue Lagoon <laughs> coming up for the balance changes. On oh that. my gosh. No, City of the Big Shoulders. No, th this isn't like a I'm not, I am not just willy-nilly throwing this one on here. I do think this needs a balance change um, with the... This I, needs a, a hard 2.0. It needs a hard 2.0, but I would also love to see um, some slight tweaks to like the companies in particular, like American Flyer, just way better. It is just way better than every other company. Um, what is the one that I use? Brunswick. Brunswick is awesome. You got to go Oscar Mayer, man. Um, so... Some of the companies need better tweet, uh, need a little, little bit of tweaking. Some of them are just way easier to get optimized. Yeah, and then I would love to see more companies. Like they could release like a five pack company or a five company pack, like every year, and I would buy it. And I would buy it. 
Um, well, then if you, you you can't complain about it like Tapestry when they haven't play tested them all. Well, but but then, that's a lot of like the thing is more, more than just like cards or content. But that's the idea about the company is like. Thing, but that's but that's like that's like selling like with Root. Like it takes them years to put out new just just three or three two to three factions because yeah, well, the balance is, is huge. Yeah, this but this is a combat game. Yeah, which is, it's not. It's not nearly as asymmetric as as root. It's true. Um, and like again, you could, or you know, you can release a you know a, a a patch pack that comes with two. You know, it comes with the fixed versions of the old old cards, but then comes with you know two or three d- uh, new uh, companies or whatever. Um, we won't talk about all the extensive other issues that I find with. City of the Big Shoulders. I want yeah. to love that game so much. The market system, please just fix it. Um, but yeah, that was my second one. Yep. I would love to see new companies and old companies fixed. Yep. Well, my number two here, and I feel like this is these these changes to like the live content um, is is easier in a quote unquote a mayor of thrash type games uh, versus like games like Euros that are just like at their very core are so mechanical, like making a one adjustment just changes the system for everything. But what I think one euro, which would benefit from, it doesn't have to be a really intense um, um, kind of management ongoing, but I think would bring a little more balance and interest to the game is Marco Polo. Um, oh, you know, say yeah, Voyages because of the Con. we do have, like, there's like so, the, those asymmetric powers are like, and woefully, we've imba- woefully I think imbalanced. Um, and I, I think that the, the, the company could come out with like, these are kind of, you can still play the game the way it is, but I think, uh, coming out with an update pack for those factions and those abilities, or even coming out with new content for, um, for those different like tasks or those different like orders that you're trying to put together or different abilities on different cities. Um, to uh, that one just popped out at me, which I think could use a little new life and a little new balance and here's some fresh content to put into it. Um, like I said, it's hard doing these with really intense, heavy euros. Like you just can't like yeah, with I'm, the, I'm digging this. Yeah. One. Well, yeah. you just can't come out with like, okay, here's some live service, new stuff for a Lacerda game. It's like, no, it's like every, every font, every period in a Lacerda game is mechanically balanced to the next one. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. it's impossible to do. Um, but I think Marco Polo is a game we love, but like, we we forgive the game. We are willfully blind to some of the yeah. the balance issues that, that other people that may be annoyed with. That is one that we with. do tend to. Like we tried drafting them drafting. or like bidding for them, and that helps a little bit with it bidding. Does, it does help, but it's still not yeah. perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think yeah, we, we've been we've been bidding for for those. We bid victory points at the end game victory points. But yeah. I think that that's a that's a good euro that could use a little life in it. All right. Well, mine. This is a game that does not make my list very often and that is Ankh gods of egypt um now there is a lot going on in this game there's a lot of extra so you want uh, more content is what you're saying no i don't necessarily want more content though you could kind of add that in there you know something similar to blood raids where you could change things up i don't know that we've played Ankh enough to warrant that but i do and john is just going to be rolling over probably having a car wreck while he's listening to this um i can hear him yelling your name already yeah, yelling my name um but i do feel like this game what i what i would love to personally see tweaked is the combat cards it, i take oh. i think it is a travesty 
that the Lifeless. combat card deck has one card that is actually geared towards combat. The All of the rest of them have either zero or one combat point and then some other tricksy way to win. And Which, I'm fine with other tricksy ways. And I can understand a little bit because it helps with with trying to strategize and predictability, right? Because you, like in Kimmet, you know, you can have a very wide a variety of different type of cards and it's hard to play. I mean, there's two different ways. Some people like the, the the very direct strategy. Okay, these are two or three options. I know my range of 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 failure for for how much focus I put onto this combat. And some people like the Kimmet style. Where you know what, he may play his five plus combat card. I have no no idea. Um, yeah, and, and that's a little like more wild. The like you said, the cards are for the most part very boring. Everyone has the same cards, which makes it even more yeah. boring. Um, and I just feel like in this game, combat or like the the it's the least exciting part of the strategy game. is yeah it, it, the least exciting and the weakest part. Like and you may think we're if, crazy for feeling that, but yeah, like in our games, no one has ever won this game by dominating in combat. Like everyone has won the monument strategy or just like the other weird Eric Lang tricksy things of killing all your people and, or whatever. Grant, we have not played this you know, two dozen times. Right. Yeah. Um, but I enjoy having that flexibility and those kind of like sneaky things, but like there's nothing there for those players that just want to like, I just want to, I just want to wreck havoc wanna, in the yeah, middle in, in Egypt. Stuff. And yeah. it's just, here's too, my giant dragon lizard to, squ- to squirm out of it. And to like, you, you like you will win combat and, and, and lose in every other way, you know? Yeah. And it's not even, and it just kind of feels like, uh, it just, the combat just kind of feels like, like you didn't deserve, you may win the combat even though you didn't deserve to. And well, here I may win as far as like I came out, like I won the combat. Yeah. But you just kind of played this like plague of locust, or you played. Um, there's cards where if you're in the desert, you get a bonus for different stuff, and it just it doesn't feel yeah. like combat. Yeah, and it's boring. It really is. Those cards are just not interesting. Yeah. So Ankh doesn't make my list a whole lot. And this I, one. I really wanted to like this game. I really did, but I it is so it is so thematic and it looks just so epic, and you just want to love every part of the game. Yeah, but I agree. The and combat, John, John, John really likes this game. Well, you, you almost have to look at it. This is not a combat game, really. This is a positioning strategy type game where it has this pseudo kind of added on combat yeah. mechanic. Where, but I feel like Blood Rage strikes a similar balance, but a little bit better. Like Blood Rage. There is combat. You and you, combat is viable. You can, you can like I, we have one through like a a more or less pure combat strategy, but there's just a little more like mind games. I think there's a little less like squirminess. I don't know. Um, yeah, that's fine. What what's your next one? All righty, my next one is going to be unmatched. Um, now, what unmatched? does well is it is putting out new content which is awesome That's great true, yep. but there isn't balances to previous content um now obviously you think mo- we need some balances <laughs> yes now obviously most people who play unmatched are very casually playing but there is a like competitive tournament scene <laughs> run matched of course and there you is. know the tier list of and, every and i do know the tier list and some <laughs> of the, and some of the fact and some of the characters that i want to play are just woefully underpowered to where 
I mean, you're just going to get ran over by this group of six or eight other factions. Because I think there's a lot. There's several dozen um, playable characters and stuff or, or pairs of characters you can play in a match now. There's probably closer to, thir- to or there's well over, I think there's at least 20, I think, yeah. probably at this time, once, if not more. Once they, once they break into like probably getting close to 30 and all these other IPs. Oh, yeah. It's it, like- it going to go up. And, and and there are factions or units you play in this game that are just, there's, you just have no hope just because of so much flexibility. Because things like movement speed in this game is huge, right? Uh, your ability to manage and manipulate your cards are huge. And some, as some factions and people, characters can just do that way better. And you get so much, uh, so much of a buff on that. Like they're, the entire faction for Buffy the Vampire Slayer is like the entire box is almost unplayable just because of the abilities of their characters. Yeah. Um, and it's like, and you like part Buffy. of me, part of that is You're a me big issue. Buffy fan. Big Buffy fan. Yes, I saw that. And I was like, this is unbelievable. I want to buy it, <laughs> buy it all by that. Maybe it's a me issue, but like it, in my heart of hearts, I can't spend money on this pack and play it when I know it's it's not competitive. Because this is, at its heart, this is a competitive dueling type game. Yeah. And it's like, why would I, why would I bring a revolver when you've got a bazooka? Right, and this and, is why you picked the Lannisters because you knew that they were overpowered, and uh, you told me to. <laughs> I did. So I think I think Unmatched is really cool. A lot of people love it. They recently came out with a storage system, which I think is great for it on uh, GameFound. When are we going to see the Game of Thrones pack in uh, Unmatched? I want to see Jamie Lannister. Oh, that would be so cool! Expert duelist out there, just. <laughs> Matthew knows all about expert duelists. Tell him, tell him about expert duelists, man. No, we don't have we don't have the hours <laughs> uh, to talk about talk about that. There but I think you. I think Unmatch is doing great on one part. Content is ten out of ten. New content, new life, new themes, and stuff supporting the game. But the balance, I think, balancing issues is is real. Um, mm. Because if you're if you're actually playing it competitive, you know you can. If, okay, this isn't doing well. I'm gonna switch off to another. But for people who are just casually just picking up a box like Barnes and Noble and playing it, they may notice it. Uh, or may not, but if they do, it's like, wow, this game isn't fun because if you pick that character, you're always winning. Yeah. So, all right. So, my next one is a game that I genuinely, really, like, desperately want new content for. Desperately want desperately. new content. Can you give me a hint? Um, but I also think it could use just a couple patches. There are a couple of things. If it's a game you love, I'm sure it could use a lot of patches. This is. Eternal Chronicles of the Throne. You know, can I you imagine a a quarterly pack coming oh out? Oh my in this? gosh! I mean, I'd, 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 I'd be on auto booster. subscribe. Yes, yeah. I seriously, I would be on auto subscribe. Well, you borrowed this game from with, me a couple weeks ago to take with some friends and stuff. And you they never, loved you it. You never told me about it. So yeah, tell me, tell me how like new players kind of responded to it. Yeah, they they really liked it. Um, it to me, this is just I. I'm not as competitive as competitive as you with this stuff. So Magic the Gathering can just really I tried playing it and it was very frustrating. Well, like, the issue with that is that you can just buy the Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pay to win. Pay to win. Um and so this I think is a is that perfect middle ground. They kind of have like factions in this sort of like, like magic su- like houses that houses like yeah. if you play similar ones they align like and, for buffs and then if you play complementary ones yeah and, well, but so can could you imagine with you know sort of similar to keyforge you would get like new more or less houses and factions and st- stuff coming out with this um, oh, that's a great pick I thought about it but then I was like I didn't know if this would really 
because I don't know that they would do rules balancing, but you had new content for it. No, there there are just a hair, just a touch of rules balancing. First, we almost never play in in a multiplayer game when you kill someone. The rules tell you oh. you get five health and you get a free card from the middle. And that is absurd. That it, it is ludicrous. It is it is the most snowball effect I've ever seen in a game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because almost always at that point in the game, there's going to be everyone's some down. Yeah, there's going to be an eight yeah. cost card. Yeah, that yeah. you just get for free, um, which is huge. And everyone's going to be like on, you know, less than five health probably. And no so, more than 10 probably. And so getting five health yeah, to yeah. let you just wham into the next player is... So it's like, I think there should be some sort of reward because you should yeah. be incentivized to damage to your Because yeah. essentially how the game works, and we talked about before, is it's circular in nature. So you can either focus on protecting from yourself from the person coming into you or you can focus on pushing that damage and attacking the next person or balancing it and so mm-hmm. it does incentivize instead of just kind of turtling up and just just tanking everything to to push that damage because you do get a buff um, but we've nerfed it down and like you get you get to add three extra spending points or something like that to the market mm-hmm. and you may get honestly I don't even know if it's balanced to even give you more health yeah potentially uh, so my point being yes. is there are some balancing changes. But, I also but card think packs would be really fun. Card packs would be amazing. Even I mean, call them expand, call them whatever you have to call them. Just come out with them, please. Yeah. Now, um, I, my one fear would be that they started expanding in is in like key terms and like it has a very uh, digestible, easy to understand kind of key term and abilities the way it is. But I, I could see them getting crazy and having okay, you have six key terms. Well, now you have eighteen. Yeah, and that's how we expand the game. I mean, obviously, but they I think need new raining in. Yeah, but I, I yeah, there's so many like cause especially with the expansion, the Golden Steel expansion, you can like purchase these like legendary cards. So having yeah. more variety in that, and um, I think and more variety because they also the game comes with like everyone gets to randomly pick or draft a starting unit or two. Mm-hmm. More interesting stuff with that. I, I think would be so good. I agree there. I also think there should be. I think there should be some balance changes with the starting ones. I think there are some that are better, significantly. Which better. Is, which is why we decided, you know, you get three, choose one, or you get yeah. two, choose one, or we can draft. You draft a hand of two or three and then pick, because uh, there's some that are, are, yeah, clearly, clearly better. Not like game breaking, but could synergize with stuff easier. Yeah, yeah that's a great, that's a great option. I and the thing is, it's it's owned by Direwolf, so I don't understand. And they do have a digital version of this. Well, it is but complete. It's, it is. It's, it's not in the game. Basically, just Hearthstone, I think, from what I've seen. Yeah, and it's like you know, I downloaded it because I wanted to play it. But I was like, no, this is this Completely, is yeah, yeah. different. So it's like I I love this physical game of it, and I really wish they would come out. Yeah, with and more. so it, it has the same types of things in in KeyForge or Magic S type things, but you have a you 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 deck build. That's how you like everyone starts from the pretty much equal playing field. And you deck build. You can choose how you craft your deck, and like you are literally acquiring cards to counter your opponents as they're acquiring cards, and vice versa. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and every game feels different for it. They what cards come out, uh, and so I think it's really. I mean, clearly, someone who's more skilled, they know which things synergize a little bit better. But you're never going to get that crazy. It's like, wow, here's my twenty card combo in Dominion or Magic: The Gathering, and bam, you just lost. Yeah, yeah. Um. For um it. Well, those are our patches. I have so. one more that just I want to throw out and see what you think. All right. I picked Dune Imperium. What would you think about that? I know they've they've done some balance changes on the board, but I think the cards themselves, I think, 
could have a little bit more focus on those releasing specific factions or pack. I know this Maybe. is probably easier said there, than done. There are a lot of cards. So, you know, it, there are a lot of cards. So none of them, re- and same with kind of like eternal, none of them really pop out to me as like overpowered necessarily. Um, I do agree. The board. Quasax, the Quasax Hotterack, whatever that's uh, called. But it's like eight, but isn't that, it's like really expensive, right? Yeah, so but you buy like, it and you get to like control the universe. Well, you're, you got the, the Quasax <laughs> Hatterack. Okay. Yeah. Well, it was, I was thinking of that or like um, with the Terraforming Mars having like, they said we're not going to do any more expansions, but I would love for them to do at some point like an official 2.0 to update pack for the cards. Either like all the cards in the game get updated to like a little, the different art, fonts, a little bit of synergy because some of those like cards that get added from the expansion, there's so many cards that you just don't see those as often. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I, it dilutes. So I wish they've kind of balanced the prevalency of certain things and then maybe kind of balance some stuff with cost. Some of those cards cost a stupid amount of money and don't do very much and vice and versa. Then take off all, all the meteors that destroy the plants, please just get rid of them. Just or do what Ar- Ark Nova did. Like if you choose, if you all have agreed not to play this way, Here's the alternate way you play this Gosh, card. It's just so dumb. Which I, I know we sound like, you know, we sound like a bunch of Care Bears, but it's, well, it's not that because we love fighty fighty, hit your, you know, barbarians with with clubs. And, game, and it just feels so bad to have built up this. Str- and it, the thing is, is it only attacks the plant strategy. Like there aren't really cards in the game that attack other stuff necessarily. Well, you, you there could be house rules where you can only target to players who are ahead of you. And victory points, that's one thing. Um, but uh, also, it, yeah. it, this is a very... I mean, it's a Euro game, and so it's like... But it's, it's even hard to, like, tell how many victory points. Like, it, it, There's so much on cards, yeah, right? Yeah. And it's just... I think it's too much of a, of a strategic Euro engine-type building game to where you throw stuff to throw right. that kind of stuff yeah. in there. Yep, and so that those are our games, I think... Uh, could use a patch. Use a patch or some live service or some continual care. And, like, I've never designed a board game or I don't own a board game company, but I feel like if I did, like I would want to continue to make sure that game is at its best status. And sometimes it doesn't take that much effort, small especially, little changes or rule changes. Especially if players have really carried it into a competitive level. If like the community... Like unmatched example. Like yeah, I don't think yeah. they ever intended it to turn to into com- competitive. Yeah, yeah, competitive. And there's some, there's some imbalances that you don't ever really notice until people start playing it like that. Yeah. But I mean, you can tell, like on Board Game Geek, I mean, half of all the stuff on there is is how do you do variants or how do you how, like there are fans who there's like the um, the League of Eccentric Gamers or something like that who they or whoever it is like they create better rules for games yeah, yeah and put them on Board Game Geek and, and like uh, there's like a ton of fan factions and like rude and stuff like that yeah and funny. so I mean if you're seeing that there's that much love in a community people are gonna buy good content it's like as you always say if it's worth five dollars it's worth if it's worth forty dollars it's worth 150 dollars. very specifically <laughs> and nothing more or less than that um yeah and so so let us know your thoughts on the discord uh what are some games that we missed that you think man this needs some love uh, tender love and attention tlc tender love and care what games you play that are wildly imbalanced and you're like did anyone play test this? Yeah, it just it numbs the brain. And I and I I told Jacob that I apologize. I told him like I'm sorry. I went after you that game in um in campaign trail, but like my 
my my my competitive gamer could not let me ignore the the, the powers on your card. Oh. Yeah, and so let us know your thoughts there. Are there anything new? I heard you may have made a new friend. I did potentially make a new friend, um, which is like whoa. Yeah. I need to press my little sound for yeah. the clapping. You made a new friend. And it, you know, it's in the day and age where you can like meet people on the internet. If just funny enough, I was selling something on Facebook Marketplace and had snapped a picture of it, of this item with my board games in the background, just unintentionally. Well, to be fair, before anyone thinks anything weird, it was a chair. It, yeah, it, it, was, it, was, it was a chair. <laughs> <laughs> it was a gaming chair um, that I was trying to sell. Um, and yeah, so somebody messaged me and was like, kind of interested in the chair, but they're also like, but those board games in the background. Look juicy. So, yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, well, hey, if you're into board games, we're always looking for new new suckers to, to play with. So Opportunities. Uh, yeah. So who knows? Maybe we'll meet up and uh, get together. Yep. I don't know if there's any other new games coming down the pipeline that are really big. I know I was watching some stuff from Essen, look some like interesting stuff, but well, you just got in phew. some last settlers. Oh, we got yeah. Um Frozen. last set. Um You don't even know. You don't even know what game you got in. I honestly, if I was telling you the truth, First I don't settlers. It wasn't because I David told me to to kickstart this game a year and a half ago. Um, endless settlers, endless winter, endless winter, endless something like that, endless winters. And so, if this game turns out to be atrocious, I'm gonna blame David. But everyone, people were trying to play it as much as possible there at like Gen Con when they had some preview copies. And like I said, we finally got in John Company and Pax Premier. I definitely think we're gonna need to play Pax Premier some more before we ever, we tip our toes into John Company because yeah. I just I just would want y'all to try to experience it once. If it's something that is not gonna happen or it's never gonna play it again. I can accept that. I'll put it on my shelf. It'll look we nice. We could all just get in a room together and read encyclopedias. And see, and take turns seeing who can be more theatrical when they read it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we'll see. We're going to give it a try. But I think that's going to be it uh, for this week's episode. As always, I'm Matthew. I'm Brady. And this has been The, the Discussion, Discussion Phase. phase. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the discussion phase. If you enjoy our content and like to hear more, be sure to tune back every week for new episodes. You can also follow us on Instagram at the discussion phase for new playthroughs and reviews. Uh, you can also join in on the discussion yourself on our discord link listed below. Thanks everybody. Brady, we forgot to talk about it earlier in the podcast. We won't go into too much detail, maybe save it for later, but what is your initial first kind of end of season thoughts on Lord of the Rings or Rings of Power? We were very hyped on it beforehand. We haven't talked a lot about it since it came out. Well, Matthew, where I still haven't seen the latest episode of Rings of Power, but I have seen the latest episode of House of the Dragon, and I, the only thing I'm going to say is... We're, I, you know, we're, we're playing Game of Thrones. We're watching Game of Thrones. I'm reading Game of Thrones. It's Game of Thrones or nothing right now for me. And Lord, this, this phony Lord of the Rings madness that has come up is just, it's just a pretender. It is a perversion of the throne. You're, I've been using that word a lot, <laughs> perversion. Um, I will leave it at this. We'll maybe talk about it some more in detail. 
But I would just like to say congratulations to all of you fan fiction writers out there and let you know that you too have the hope of one day be giving a billion dollars to create your own fan fiction. Yeah. Uh, that is all I will say. This is this is the most expensively funded fan fiction project in the history of the universe. Yeah. Okay. All right. It, yeah. Okay. <laughs> no spoilers. No spoilers. <laughs>